team uh, uh, working hard last night. Uh, everybody's uh, getting adjusted to our new schedule for the fall. If you missed Sunday school this morning, please, next week, set the alarm, get up a little earlier. Guys, we have, for a lot of us, this is the one day of feeding uh, spiritually during your week. And I don't know how your weeks go, but I need as much spiritual nourishment as I can get on a daily basis. But the corporate gathering is a blessing. So please take advantage of that next week. we got two adult teen, teenage and adult Sunday school classes going. We have classes for the kids as well. But the two teen and adult Sunday school classes, one is on media. Um, again, think about the, the, just everything that's coming at you from movies, news, social media. How do we navigate this stuff? and how to do that from a biblical worldview. If you have teenagers, they desperately need this. If you uh, don't have teenagers, you desperately need this because you need to understand the world in which we live in and how to navigate it. So there's a media class, and that's a good one. Uh, that's going to last about three, four weeks in that study, and it's going to change over. And then also we've got a leadership class, spiritual leadership. And uh, J. Oswald Sanders is the author of the book. You can check that book out this uh, week online. And uh, uh, Pridgen is teaching that class. I know he'd love to have you in that class. Meets over in the teen room. And so, guys, next Sunday, get here about 9.30s when it kicks off. we got coffee for you. And uh, I think you will be blessed uh, as a result of being here for that. So just encourage you to do that um, next Sunday. This past week, we kicked off our Word of Life clubs. Gophers, Olympians, and teenagers. And guys, we hit the ground running. It was an awesome night. Uh, we saw uh, some of our numbers doubled in the smaller kids program. Um, we saw one of the largest groups that our teens have had uh, for opening night. And, praise God, we had two professions of faith on Wednesday evening. Praise God. <laughs> guys, I cannot say this enough. It is hugely important. Pray for these ministries. Even if you can't be here, you can pray for these ministries wherever you are. Lift that to the Lord daily. This is eternal work that's being done. And so if you can't be here physically, you can be here spiritually. Pray for that, pray for that, pray for that. But I encourage you, if you can be here, if you're a kid, beg mamas and daddies, get here if you can. Because I'm telling you, we're going to be investing in these kids all year long, and there's some great things that we're looking forward to happening. And so some special stuff. See you next, or this coming Wednesday, 6.30. So just some, some uh, announcement there for that. One last thing I've got, and we'll get into the message. Volleyball is back. Um, yes, we have, I think, about five or six teams potentially that will be competing this year in our co-ed volleyball league. Um, and so it's the one distance, it's the one sport that you can kind of still do a little social distancing. <laughs> Boom! In your face! Anyway, um, but we want you to participate. We want you to participate. So if you're interested in playing co-ed volleyball, please see Andrew Pivovarsky or myself uh, or let Miss Allison know. And uh, we're going to try to get together soon for a little practice because season will be starting soon. So uh, just know that that's coming. Also, we're going to need help with concessions, we're going to do the quarantine concessions. So it's going to be real simple. There won't be any cooking of popcorn. There won't be any cooking of hot dogs. It'll be prepackaged items. 
Um, so we're just going to need somebody to wear a mask, wear some gloves. Here's a canned soda. Here's a bag of chips. So we're going to need some help with that. I'll be reaching out to you for help with that. So those are some things um, that I wanted to share. Um, Sweet Hour Prayer, that's what we kind of started on with this, that, that song. I've got a lot of Wayne Christian teachers and students that, that attend here. Here's your, review Here's your review quiz. I hope you paid attention this week. You had a guest speaker at your chapel this week. If you were him, raise your hands. All right, there was a little clue. This message this week was on prayer, and it was on, I gave you an acronym. It was HANDS. This will help you in your prayer life, church. You saw the video, if you saw it online, I updated the video this week about the field of dreams, asking you to pray, remembering your hands. What's the H? What's, oh, I just gave you the first one. What's the thumb? Honor. Honor God. When we pray, the first thing we need to do is honor God. By the way, this is all found in Matthew 6. This is a little side note sermon. What's the A in hands? Acknowledge God. Somebody was listening. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. What was the N in hands? Say again. Come again. Come again. What do most of us, when we pray, we ask for our what? Our needs. And so in the, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. There's physical request for our needs and there's spiritual request for our needs. So when we pray, the in in hands should remind us to express our needs, both physical and spiritual. What was the D in hands? Glad y'all were. That's, that's true to four minutes. After the first five minutes, Pastor, I'm checked out. <laughs> when we're going to lunch. Um, the, the, you got H-A-N-D. D is draw near. Draw near. This comes from James 4. We switch gears, move from Matthew 6, because by the way, Matthew 6 can be summed up in the physical and spiritual. Uh, and so then we move over to James, James 4, 7 through 10. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Um, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, right? This is how we should be praying. We've got to draw near to God. By the way, when, when in 1 Timothy, uh, when the church is instructed on how women are to conduct themselves and how men are to conduct themselves, it says men ought to lift holy hands everywhere. All right, praying, lifting holy hands. Does that mean we walk around and go, woo, you know, jazz hands, <laughs> spirit fingers? No, that's not what it means. The idea there is that our life is a reflection of holy living. And so that when we pray, our life should be in line with our prayers. So draw near to God. What's the S? Oh, y'all got that one. Awesome. Scripture. Guys, if I want to know how to pray, i got to know the Scripture. Because the problem with most of our prayers is we're praying, trying to get God on our page. When we, if we look at the Scripture, we're going to get on God's page. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He'll give you the desires of your heart. That is one of the biggest secrets to prayer life. Hear it again. Delight yourself in the Lord. What is that? Psalm 37, 4? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because here's what happens. When I know God's Word, it changes me. And instead of me selfishly praying, I begin to take on the attitude of Christ. Think about Christ's prayer in the garden. Let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to go to the cruel cross and suffer, die, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, emotionally, humanly speaking. 
Who would, who would dare? I mean, wow. No way. I don't, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Thy will be done. Guys, that is the key to prayer life. When I, as James said, stop asking amiss, when I stop asking to consume upon selfish reasons and selfish requests, I can begin to pray, God, your will be done. If this is not my will, I'm good with that, but I'm praying your will be done. And so that's a helping hand on praying. Side note sermon. It wasn't, you know, we've teed that one up because of the song. Thank you, praise team. You didn't know that was coming. I didn't either, but to God be the glory. Um, We're talking about church leadership. And so we've done a two-part on deacons. We're going to probably do a two-part on pastors, bishops, elders. Hmm, interesting. All right. Bishop Jeremy's going to bring a message today up on who? <laughs> anyway, y'all don't call me Bishop, right? Thank you. Uh, words matter. But some people around town are referred to as Bishop, right? Bishop. Some people around town are referred to as elders. Your Bishop Elder is referred to as a pastor. So we're going to talk about these things, and we're going to continue our study on church leadership. And so let's... Uh, let's Pray with holy hands lifted and ask God's blessing on the service today. Father, thank you for your word. It does guide us. It teaches us. Uh, Lord, it helps us to understand you. Uh, Lord, it helps us to get on your page. And Lord, that's our prayer this morning through corporate worship. Uh, Let us do that which is pleasing in your sight. We recognize we're only accepted because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. Lord, let us delight ourselves in that. Let us delight ourselves in the truth of your word. And Lord, may our lives come in line under you for your glory. Ask your blessing on the preaching of your word. May you be exalted and made much of here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So when it comes to church, there are two basic offices that we find in Scripture for the New Testament church. That is the office of elder and deacon. All right? Now, again... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what this, this means. But the first thing we need to do is start with the head. You're taking notes. This is point one in our sermon today on church leadership. If we're going to talk about church leadership, we've got to start with the head. Now, you're all good Bible students. You should know the answer to this already because we went through the book of Colossians. And Colossians tells us that Jesus is the head of the church. Don't get that confused, all right? It's not the deacons, it's not the pastors, it's not the laymen. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Uh, Colossians 1.18 says, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. He's the center of the universe. He should be who is at throne, uh, on the throne in our heart and our life. And it's He who is at the center and the throne of our worship corporately here at Community Baptist Church. He is the head of CBC. That's the truth of God's Word. Now, you and I have a responsibility in understanding the Scripture that we line up under Him that we get on His page, that we do church the way He instructed, the way that He ordained it. Whether I like it, prefer it, 
is irrelevant. What has God said? Thus saith the Lord. You know one of my favorite quotes is from John MacArthur. By the way, pray for Grace Community Church today and Pastor MacArthur. The, ju the judge ruled that they could not meet. And they've even threatened to send police over to padlock the doors. Okay? It's a very serious situation in California. And MacArthur spoke the other night on Shannon Bream's show. They are having church. So he very well may be arrested potentially today uh, for worshiping his Lord and Savior. Guys, we've talked about it for years. It's coming to us. It's here. We need to stand together as believers in Christ. Choose this day whom you will serve. Guys, this, the, the time of playing church is over. It's time to be the church. And this is why, again, if you're not equipped, if you don't know the Word of God, then you will be easily sifted by the enemy. We're approaching some dark days. If there's ever been a time to draw near to God and come together, it's now. One of my favorite quotes from MacArthur is this. Jesus is no longer Lord of the church. The unregenerate sinner is. Jesus is no longer the head of the church. The unregenerate sinner is. And what he means by that, guys, he's not blaspheming. He means, simply put, most churches today are taking surveys. They're following what the people want. They're following the latest trends. They're seeking after marketing ideas. How can we reach the sinner to come to church? Now, the motive is good. I dare not question the motive. Peter's motive was awesome when he sliced that guy's ear off. He was trying to defend his Lord and Savior. He was willing to fight to the death for him. That's an honorable motive. But it's not the way of Christ. So, though I'm not mad, per se, at these churches that seek the marketing approach to reach lost people, I applaud their motivation, but it's misplaced. The Scripture must guide us. We don't look to the center to get our marching orders. Well, what can we do? Well, maybe if we put in a coffee bar, the coffee drinkers will come. Now, look, I love coffee. And if y'all want to put in a coffee bar, I'll vote for it. All right? But we're not going to do that just to try and get lost people to gather here. You understand what I'm saying? There is balance in outreach. Even Jesus met, uh, fed the 5,000. It's okay sometimes to have a fish sandwich social and draw in the thousands upon thousands for the sake of the gospel. And we do that here. But what we're not going to do is wait on the latest polls, surveys, and trends to determine our direction. No, Jesus is head of the church. And so we want to follow His leading. And guess what? He's already laid out in Scripture how we're to do church. Now, the message doesn't change. Our methods do. So don't confuse the same, guys. We're not, we're, we're not talking uh, apples and oranges here. We're talking one and the same. There is a direction that God leads us, and we have that liberty to adjust through our methods. We, we choose to use Word of Life here. We've used a wand in the past. If, if a church decides to use that type of program to try and disciple, try to make converts, those are two biblical principles. So I understand that. But here's why we're not going to allow the unregenerate sinner to guide us. Because the church, by definition, 
is made up of believers. You can't be the church and be a non-believer. That's an oxymoron. You follow what I'm saying? The church, by definition, is a believer, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, resurrection. The church's gathering is for the believer to be equipped to go and do the work of the ministry. I often, today's football, right? Kickoff, I know some of you got, we all got some emotions tied up in this thing. I'm with you. I've kind of come down on the side of, you know, hate the player, not the game. The game never done nothing, uh, you all right? I, I like the game, and we'll leave it at that. But here's a part of the game. Here's one of the rules of the game. The team has their uniform on. We identify the team because of our uniform. Guys, we identify our team by the way we live. Lifting holy hands, right? We should be able to identify a born-again believer. We should be able to see because we walk in the power of the Spirit, not the power of the flesh. Now, we struggle, and sometimes we can't always spot these guys, right? But for the most part, there should be some identifying marks, fruit of the Spirit, that should be a part of our life as believers. So the team, if you will, is the church. Now, when we gather corporately, that's the holy huddle. All right, everybody in here, you ready? All right, now listen up. We're going to go orange 52 on three. You got it? I have no idea what I just said, but we're going to do it. Orange 53 on two. Ready? Break! <laughs> now, that was the church service. All right? We're getting the play. Ready? Break! Now we're going to implement the play. Now we're going to the line. Now we're up against the enemy. Now we're going to know how to exercise this plan. Guys, the church gathers to open the Word of God, the playbook, to get the instructions. All right? Now, the head coach is calling in the play to the quarterback. That's your pastor. And we're going to, going to have to have some linemen or I'm dead. I'm just saying. <laughs> and some of you running backs, some of you wide receivers, everybody got to do the part, right? Because if somebody fails to do the part, you're going to look like the Panthers this year. I hate to say that. But, <laughs> uh, I hate to say that. But anyway. So we've got to do our part. Everybody got to do the part. Everybody has an important part on the team. There's no part that's not important. I mean, if the water guy doesn't show up, <laughs> we're dead. Right? We even need the cheerleaders on the sideline kind of getting things going, getting pumped up. Pump, pump, pump it up. P-U-M-P, pump it up. I mean, we got to get the motivation. We need it. I have a video of my girls doing that cheer when they were wee little lassies. It's sweet, I know. Daddy's heart melts. <sighs> but we need it. And so when we come to church, we gather as believers to get the plan, to do the work of the ministry. We don't stay in the huddle. And there's a lot of churches that went, hey, let's just, this is nice. You look good today. Hey, your jersey's not dirty. That's nice. What do you want to do today? I don't know. I was thinking maybe afterwards we'd go over and visit the water boy and get some more water. They got Gatorade today in the cooler. Ooh, nice. Why would we stay in the huddle? It makes no sense. But it also makes no sense to always just be out there playing. Hey, guys, come on, in the huddle. Let's go. No, no, no man, I'm going to go for, hey, I'm going deep. Hit me, hit me. Dude, that's not how it works. Right? So God has a plan. God has laid this out in Scripture. Even in the Old Testament, He had a plan for the New Testament church. Notice what happened in Jeremiah 3.15. This is from the NASB. New American Standard Bible says, Then I will give you shepherds. 
after my own heart. Who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. You see, in the Old Testament, Israel was departing from the truth of God. They were departing from God's revealed word. And so they began to kind of do things their way instead of God's way. They were doing things on their page, not God's page. And so judgment came as a result. But just as the old covenant was passing away and Christ brought a new covenant, which was in His blood, He purchased the church. He prepared also for what was coming in the days ahead. And He says, I'm going to provide you new shepherds, pastors, elders, bishops for the church. Don't take my word for it. We'll see in Ephesians 4 a little bit later. Do you realize that God gives to the church gifts? Christ is given some apostles, some evangelists, pastors, teachers. Those are God's gifts to the church. I know some of you are saying, oh boy, we got a nightmare. Well, thanks a lot. Just pray for me. All right. So, Jeremiah 23, 3 through 4. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. And guys, we know that ultimately the culmination of this will come together uh, in the millennial kingdom, and, and there's a lot of you know, end-time uh, prophecy here and there's two lines of both Israel and the church that, that kind of come together in the sense of vines but, but don't miss the principle and the point God's reiterated this in the New Testament with the Ephesians 4 passage that I quoted to you He is providing His way of doing church there is a design and an order to everything that God does and we can either choose to do it our way and face consequences or we can choose to do it God's way and be blessed did we not learn this through our study in Haggai? Remember Haggai? Haggai. Remember that? For 16 years, they kind of did their own thing. They focused on their own houses and their, their own building of their own little kingdoms, if you will, and neglected the house of God. They neglected what God had called them to do. Church, don't neglect what God's called you to do. We're called to come into the huddle, to work as a team. Not running our own routes. Because when a guy runs his own route, the quarterback ends up throwing the ball and the dude's nowhere in the, in the place. When the guy's handed the running back and he's going that way because he didn't get the play right, it messes up the team. We're not called to run our own plays. We're called to work together. And so God has laid out an order for the local church. We can choose to follow His order or do it our way. And I want to do it God's way because He's the head. And that's always a victory for us, Team CBC. I'm looking forward to, to those chants. Tommy, you better be there this year, man. Tommy leads that charge. CBC, CBC. I like it. It gets a whole... Anyway, y'all better come out and support us. We need it. All right. Here's what we got. John 21, 17. Now, you know what happened here. Peter has, has, has forsaken Jesus, right? Remember, you're going to, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me. Peter's like, no, man, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you are. He ends up, you know, cussing out a little girl at the fire pit. You know, he runs out. He's upset. He's crying. He hears the cock crow. <gasps> he's betrayed Jesus. And so then we got, you know, the death, the burial, the resurrection. And now we're over on the shore side having a little fish meal 
because here comes Jesus. He's returned from the dead. And Peter's just kind of like, oh, man, I blew it. I blew it. Ever feel like you blow it? Yeah, we can relate. We all blow it sometimes, right? But notice what Jesus is saying to Peter here in this resurrection moment. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Peter would go on to become one of those pastors, one of those elders, as he refers to himself in Scripture. Those disciples began to plant churches. They began to spread the word. And the church began to grow. The responsibility of an under-shepherd, which is a pastor, a bishop, and an elder, I am a under-shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd, but he is implored, such as he did here Peter, as he does throughout churches, he, in, he calls, and we'll see that in a second, he calls under-shepherds. And one of my responsibilities, and whoever should fill this pulpit in the days ahead, the men who've gone before us, one sits here right now, God bless you, have fed the sheep. Because that is one of our greatest callings, is to feed you the truth. We don't offer goat food. We offer sheep food. So sometimes people are going to come through this door and they're going to leave. And that's okay, guys, because we offer sheep food. And sometimes goats don't want to eat sheep food. Sometimes even sheep aren't real, don't have a real good appetite. But the more you feed on it, the hungry, hungrier you'll get. So one of the responsibility is to feed the sheep. That brings us to the second point. That's the help. So I'm simply the help, guys. That's all I am. All right? I'm the help. God has called me to shepherd the sheep of CBC. This is scriptural language. So what do we find here? The New Testament terminology for the office of overseer. All right? Notice I'm using different words. I'm doing that intentionally because I want you to understand, it's very important that we understand that these differing terms describe the same office. I'm not talking about different people. I'm talking about the same office. So, follow me if you would. Episcopos. Everybody say Episcopos. There, you're learning some language today. Yeah, that was, it's good. That's actually uh, the word for overseer. It's also, it translates bishop. So some of your Bibles may say bishop in the Scriptures. This passage that we're sitting at, uh, and Timothy's going to say, if you desire the office of a bishop, you desire good work. But also in Philippians 1.1, and we talked about this in our message last week, and he talks about in the church he's addressing there uh, in Philippi, that there are, he describes the two offices, he says, overseer and deacons. So again, scripturally, biblically, God has designed the local church with two offices, the pastor, the bishop, the overseer, and the deacon. By the way, that word overseer has great implication. What does it imply? That those who serve in those roles have a responsibility to oversee all of the work of the local church. That is part of the under-shepherd's responsibility. And so um, we also see this word used in Scripture called presbyteros. Everybody say presbyteros. 
Oh, y'all getting some good Greek today, man. Y'all sounded good. Y'all got that Southern Greek. Y'all must be the Southern Greeks. Anyway, I like it. Um, that's the word translated elder. And again, I'm going to put these scripture references up. We won't go there. You can write them down, look them up later. Uh, but again, they're all describing the different um, titles, if you will, of the same office. We also find this word, poimen. Everybody say poimen. Poimen. Look at your neighbor and say poimen. Poimen. Don't say pull my finger. Say poimen. <laughs> anyway, my kids got that joke. Oh, daddy. Um, poimen is the word pastor, shepherd. And it's used in Scripture as well. That's at Ephesians 4.11. He gives gifts to the church. He gives pastors, shepherds. Because again, throughout the Scriptures, the language is used to describe the under-shepherd is just that, one who tends to the flock. It's God's flock. I'm just the help. And so this is uh, what the Scripture says. There's also a couple others that, that I'll throw in here, uh, no extra charge. This is because a lot of times you'll hear in these parts of the woods, preacher, preacher. Okay, that's the word crux. Everybody say crux. 1 Timothy 2, 7, 5, 17. Again, you can write those down and look them up later if you like. And then also there's this didaskalos. Everybody say didaskalos. I know, that was a mouthful. Uh, this is teacher. And so this is 2 Timothy 1.11. Again, you'll see these terms oftentimes used in description of a pastor. Right? An elder, a, a, a bishop. Those are the three common terms. So, for example, look here. When it comes to leadership in the local church, because that's what we're wanting to understand, leadership in the, in the structure in the local church, you've got the Greek, presbyteros, episkopos, employment. We see the Latin translation, presbyter, bishop, and pastor. By the way, that word presbyter, sometimes it, that word can be used to describe the aged, so it's an older person in age. But again, context will determine, is it referencing an old person or is it referencing a pastor? And sometimes it's an old pastor. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and then you see the English translation, uh, elder, overseer, and shepherd. Now, these terms are used interchangeably to refer to one office. I used the illustration last week. Commander-in-chief, president of the United States. I'm not describing two different people. I'm describing the same office. Okay? That's what these terms are doing, describing the same office. So, Acts 20, 28 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. There's two responsibilities spelled out right there for a pastor. To oversee the flock and to shepherd them. And a shepherd can, you know, I, I don't know. Anybody ever shepherd? Anybody like been a real like sheep herder? Or, you know, in, anyone? Anyone? Okay. All right. Um, but again, I, I've, I haven't like real, you know, you know I, I've never, never had to do that before. But my understanding is that, again, there's differing approaches in, in shepherding. There's the caring when they're injured, right? Uh, putting oil on them and helping their wounds to heal. I've also heard of when they're wandering off, they break their legs and they, you know, carry them back. I mean, I mean, there's there's different the 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 rod and staff, right? Sometimes they're used to hook them and get them back in line, you know. And then there's other times again, it's to it's to lovingly, gently, you know, yield. God, hey, gotta get them going. No, go that way, go that way, go 
go that. I said go that way. You know, whatever. So again, we understand this. If you've ever had children, <laughs> you know, we don't use the stick. You know, let me take this belt off. Anyway, that was the old school. But again, love has gentleness and discipline. And so as a shepherd, as an overseer, those are parts of those responsibilities. That's New Testament. All right, so what are some various shepherding roles and responsibilities of a pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look. Equip the church. Let's go to this passage. Since I've quoted it so many times, I've referenced it. Everybody go over to Ephesians. Hold your spot in Timothy. I thought we was doing Timothy. We will, Lord willing. Might not be today, though. Let's go over to Ephesians. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Man, I just licked them fingers and it tasted like hand sanitizer. Yeah. Hey, at least I'll have clean lips now. I'm going to see. <laughs> All right. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, And he himself, speaking of Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What's the purpose? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Guys, do you see the responsibility of a pastor in this context? My responsibility, my commitment to God and to you, church, is to equip you, teach you God's Word, hold you accountable to what God says we should be doing. All right? That is my responsibility to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You mean I'm not supposed to be doing everything? Well, that's what you pay me for, right? No, guys. Scripturally speaking, you're to be doing the work of the ministry. Now, guess what? I'm a part of you because I'm a part of the body of Christ. So I too have my roles and responsibility and I too have ministry that I am responsible for. So again, we're in this together. We have differing roles and gifts on the team. But it's important that we all do it. And my job is to equip you to do it. And I can't properly train you or equip you if you don't show up for the training. Pivovarsky uh, helps oversee a lot of teams with uh, Hibbit Sports. If you need some shoes, go see that little plug. It was a shameless plug, but anyway, I'll, I'll plug it. So anyway, he oversees and manages a lot of folks, right? Now, I can imagine if people don't show up for his trainings, they're probably not going to do real good on the team. They're probably not going to last long on the team, right? And at best, they're not going to know what really to do. Guys, it's no different in our walk with Christ. When we come together, it is for the sake of you being equipped. It's so that you can grow. It's so that you can study the training manual, so that you'll know how to do and what to do, to inform your faith so that your faith can be lived out. And so, equipping the church. Your other responsibility is to edify. Okay, so I equip you to do the work of the ministry, but you're also called to edify, all right? Edify each other. Build each other up, not tear each other down, 
not talk behind each other's back. Don't gossip. Don't run each other down. By the way, that includes your pastor. I'm one of you. I'm part of the body of Christ. So if, if, if you're ever out there or you're around someone who's talking negative about the pastor, shut them up. And you know how you shut them up? Just leave. Or change the subject. And, and I just say that because, guys, this is common. Any leadership position, Josh uh, Prison just took a new, new job, all right? He's, he's heading up a team of guys. He's a leader. I promise you, Josh will be there, probably already happening. Anytime you're out front and you're a leader, people are going to talk about you. That just comes with the territory. Now, for leaders in the room that lead, you understand, you got to develop tough skin or you ain't going to last as a leader. But I also know that sometimes you got to address the situations. you got to nip it in the bud, right, as Barney would say. And so, guys, when it comes to the church, it's no different. we got to nip things in the bud sometime for the sake of the body of Christ. For the sake of the body of Christ. Now that doesn't mean that Andrew or, or, or Josh or Pastor or whoever else is a leader in, in their own areas, it doesn't mean that you're always going to get it right. But you know what? It's their responsibility to get it wrong. And if we're handling our roles right, then we don't beat them up when they're down, when they make a mistake. We actually, as a team member, try to find and fill the, the areas where they're weak. A good team says, you know what? The quarterback's job isn't to block. And he's getting hit on the blind side. And if I need to pull out there and, and set a good block for him, then I'm going to do it because he's on my team. That's what we do in a church. We have each other's backs. We go back to the, to the ox uh, account that we gave earlier. So these are important truths. So understand that. Uh, one of the responsibilities and roles as a shepherd is to also oversee the church. And uh, we see this in 1 Peter 5. Let's go there. It's a lengthy text. 1 Peter. First Peter. First Peter. All right. And then let's look in um, 1 Peter 5. And follow along in this text, if you would. The elders... Pastors, bishops, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Guys, there's some important mar marching orders for me as a pastor in that, in that scripture. And I recognize that and I don't take that lightly. I realize that one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to shepherd, but also to lead, and to lead by example. Now, my desire is to do that. And my example in my faith, that I'm not going to compartmentalize it. It's going to influence the way I live. I believe in sharing my faith. I believe that wherever I go, there's an opportunity always waiting for me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
not only is your responsibility as a church to be equipped to edify, you also have the responsibility to evangelize. Those are the three E's of a local church. Be equipped to go and do the work of the ministry, right? To edify, build each other up, and to evangelize the lost. Guys, I hope my example in that area is one that you can see and follow. I also want to take a moment here to say, your pastor has been calling us as a church because I believe wholeheartedly that God is leading us in an opportunity to build this field. Now, why do I feel that way? Why do I believe God is leading us to do this ministry? Well, I wish I could stand up here and recount for you every supernatural thing that God has done to this point. You're going to have to just take my word for it. If you ever want to have coffee and sit down and let me share some of those stories, I'll be more than happy to. But I am convinced more than ever that this is God's leading for this church. Now, you have to talk to Him as to the why and the how and the when. I'm just trying to take a step of faith and I'm going to lead by example for you. I'm asking you to give generously to this. Let me just share with you that me and my family have sacrificially given well above what we could probably afford to give. But I believe in this, and I believe God is leading us to this. And so I'm not asking you to do something that me and my family has not already done and will not continue to do because we, continue, we will, Lord willing, as He leads, continue to support that. Now, the reason I believe that we're moving that way and God's been leading us that way for some time is because He has blessed our outreach uh, influence through sports ministry. Um, we have been able to touch a number of families. We've got them sitting here today. We've got folks that have been impacted uh, directly and indirectly <laughs> because of you know, um, that, that have been impacted by our sports ministry. Right? I believe God wants to continue to expand that. This is a language that our society speaks, like it or not. And why can't this be a platform for the gospel? And so, again, I'm fully invested. And I want you to be on board. I want you to follow my example. And so, pray about. Just be obedient to God in what He would have you to do in your support of it. That's all I'm asking. Now, I realize for some of you, that may mean you could write a check and it'd be done and we reach our goal. And if that's what God puts on your heart, praise God, please do it. I recognize for some of you, it might not be that. It might be, uh, 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 you know, I think, we need, I think we're about 3,500 right now, sitting at about 3,500. And we've got, what, two weeks, three weeks? Now, that may seem impossible, but guys, that's not impossible. If God is leading us, it is done. But we've got to have the faith to believe it. We've got to trust Him in His leading. And so, again, you pray about simply be obedient to what God puts on your heart. Part of my role is to be an example. And so I lay that out before you. And you know my policy. I'm not asking you to do anything I've not done. And if you want to ask our financial treasurer, what's pastor and his family giving? That door's open. I, I never want to be a guy who's asking you to do something I'm not. I'm transparent in it, guys. You know what I make anyway. You pay, right? <laughs> you, you, show, you see, it's not like I'm hiding anything. So that door's open, all right? Watch out for the church. 
This is huge. This is one of the reasons why, guys, I feel so compelled in this. Because I have been a part of a church ministry that did not obey the voice of God. Let me tell you how that one played out. There was a church that decided, all right, the one we were part of, we had seven elders at the church. I'll never forget us meeting at IHOP one morning for an emergency meeting. We had our discussion. Guys, we're going in Sunday. We, we got to be together. We're ready on this. Is everybody good? We're good. We went into the church business meeting that Sunday. Unified. You try to get seven men unified on anything, that's about impossible. We were all in agreement that this was God's will. It was to bring a Hispanic pastor from Peru to our church. We were blessed at the time with a lot of Hispanic families. My teen ministry was just flourishing with Hispanic kids. And we were trying to reach their parents. They didn't speak the language well. We were actually running in an overflow room like this about a dozen Spanish-speaking adults. And we had no men to interpret. So our, our lady who cleaned our church, her and her daughter, translated the sermon in real time so that those families could be ministered to. Everything was teed up for this church to move forward in faith, and all we were asking the church for was $10,000. Now you say, whoa, that's a lot of money. We had 350 parked in a bank account. You tell me if 10,000 is a lot. All right? When God was clearly leading, all seven men said, this is God's will for this church. We believe this is where God's leading us. That business meeting is one of the ugliest business meetings I've ever been a part of. I watched people stand up and said, you're going to let them do this? Push this through? We talked about building a sanctuary out here, new building. And all I see is squirrel tracks out in the yard. I say we use this money and start building something. And somebody else said, well, hey, we can't, you can't even fill the building you got. How, why do you want to build a bigger one? So it'll be emptier? You know, and now, boy, it was on. And it was terrible. And, it, and it's sad when you have to witness that. I'll never forget my wife just in tears. The Lord used that, those tears, though, to connect our heart with an elderly couple in the church. And our friendship grew from there. And it was just really... Uh, a good bond, but it was sad to watch this church fall apart. And guys, a church that ran 300 plus at one time, I was invited a year or so ago, two years ago, to do their homecoming. The teen room that was once flourishing and full of life and teenagers every Friday night, every Sunday, volleyball court, sand, uh, that ministry was booming. It was empty. It was a storage room. Everything was piled up. I literally went down and there were cobwebs everywhere in the corner. I mean, it's just, it was neglected. Out in the sand volleyball court was weeds grown up. The net was torn down. I watched this church that at one time was thriving, 300 plus people, now sitting in a room where there was only just maybe 20 something. We brought visitors that day that came to the service that day. Don't take my word for it. Ask the Sanders, Lynn and Kathy Sanders. They came to support us that day. I was preaching there. We had more visitors than they had church members. Guys, this is what happens when a church does not obey the leading of God. And so if your pastor seems very compelled and and passionate about this direction, it's because I've been through some things and and I don't want to see that ever happen here. And so I believe we have an opportunity set before us. And so as I watch out for your soul, I I want you to be reminded of what the Word of God says about this role. Go to Hebrews, if you would. By the way, uh, the pastor that I served under, Pastor Bob Freitas, 
He came, you may remember, he came and spoke at our apologetics conference, the very first apologetics conference we did. And uh, he is driving in from Arkansas, uh, Lord willing, he and his wife, and they're going to spend some time with us. And he'll be here, uh, it'll be the first or second, I'll, I'll keep you updated, in October, Sunday. Um, and we're going to have him do a combined Sunday school, Larry, that day. He's got a book coming out as well, and so uh, I want to give him that opportunity to let you hear the pastor I grew up under for 10 years. And uh, if you close your eyes, you'll think you're listening to John MacArthur. So uh, you can tell where my influence comes from. And Word of Life, but he, he influenced me in the Word of Life area as well. Though I fought him on that one originally, and now I'm thankful I listened. <laughs> when I say fought him, you know what I mean. He's going, it wouldn't matter. All right, Hebrews. Um, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. Um, okay. All right. So if uh, we look at this passage in my eye, man, I should have brought my glasses. Uh, we look in verse 7. We'll start there. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Then skip over to verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Guys, this is one of the most sobering verses in Scripture for me as a pastor and should be for you as a church member. Because I realize one day I will stand before a holy God and you will as well. And I will have to give an account for you, for you and your families. So if I come across sometimes as hard on you, if I come across sometimes with, man, I wish you'd just let that go. If I keep hearing one more time about my kid being here, guys, it's because I love you. It's because I'm responsible for watching out for your soul. And if I see your kid playing in the road, what kind of pastor am I if I don't warn them? If I don't yell at them, get out of the road. Hey, 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 come on, come on, come on, get over here, get in here, get in here. If there's a storm coming, get in the house, get in the house. You as a loving parent know this. This is all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to shepherd you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm telling you, this world is, is ugly. And it's doing its best to take fiery darts and tear your family apart and down. And even inside the sheep, even inside this local assembly gathered together, we're not immune. We're going to get hit. And that's why we got to lift the shield of faith. And that's why we got to stick together. Guys, this is a real battle. Now it's won. Christ has won the victory. But we've got to be prepared. And so if your pastor comes across this way, it's because of this passage. Understand what's at stake. And you have a responsibility in that, in that passage as well. Simply put, if your pastor, and again, Lord willing, we're going to bring another pastor in at some point. I believe that too is God's will for this church. Because there's too much ministry going on that if we don't fill that void, we will lose those ministries. There's no way the field of dreams happens if we don't have a second man. So regardless of who the person is, it's the position that we're talking about. 
And the responsibility with you is let us do so with joy. Because I can't stand having to deal with schisms. I can't stand to have to deal with the, the griefs and the problems that, that, again, now, don't get me wrong, I'm here to minister. And there's times when, and I'm not talking about, you know, administering healthy, uh, you know, counsel and things like that. I'm talking about dealing with little fires. I'm dealing with little problems that we ought to know better, right? Don't create issues that don't need to be created. I understand I'm going to do a lot of things, make some decisions, and so will everybody else that, that ever fills this role that you may not like, you may not prefer. But is it sin? And if it's not sin, the best thing I can do as a church member is let it go and support it. Because the very thing you're against may be the very thing God is wanting to do. And I watched these people stand up because they preferred to build a sanctuary instead of support where God was wanting to go. And I watched families plucked out of that church. I watched people die and we buried them. I watched people get so mad they left. I watched some serious stuff happen in a church of near and dear people to our hearts. And it was, it was all God's doing. And if it's sin that your pastor's ever into, then there's a biblical way to handle that. And we'll talk about that. But guys, please let this verse sink in. I love you, and what I'm doing, I desire to do for your spiritual benefit. So give me some slack if I'm being, you know, a shepherd who cares for the sheep. I also have a responsibility to visit the sick. Look at that James passage, if you would. Everybody go to James. So, James chapter 5, verse 14. Um, whereas you, whoop, nope, better get on the right page there. Go, whoop, there we are. James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. All right. He goes on, and again, it's the idea if there's any sin, let them confess that sin. Here, here's the point, guys. Part of my responsibility and role as a pastor is to visit you when you're sick. But I want you to underline something there in that text. Let them call. Look, on a given you know, week, I may be shepherding 100 sheep. And every one of you, I promise, is different. I got people that they want me there before they get there. I got others who don't want to see my face nowhere inside of a hospital. That's cool. I just need to know what you want. And I don't read minds. I have, I have lost church members. I've, I, people have left because I did not visit so-and-so, when they were in the hospital. True story. When did you tell me? Well, you should have known. How am I going to know? Well, somebody should have told you. You should have seen, blah, blah, blah. I was out of town. Did you call? 
In fact, the very moment I found out, because I talked to Brother Dean, and Dean told me a week ago, so-and-so went in the hospital. Had I not had that conversation with Dean, and Dean had not told me, I still would not know. I don't read minds. The moment Dean told me, guess what me and my family did on vacation? We interrupted our family time. And I pulled off the side of the road immediately. And I reached out to that person. And I said, hey, I just heard this happen. I'm sorry. I texted. If you need me. And see, that part of the story doesn't get told. Guys, we got to do better. I understand my role is in responsibility, but we all have roles and responsibility. I cannot know if you don't communicate to me your need. Just tell me. Pastor, I'm in the hospital. I don't want you coming. I can't come now even if you wanted me to, right? I guess I could put on a wig. I'm his wife. <laughs> Scary. I told you that guy looked weird when he came in. <laughs> so, actually today it probably wouldn't be weird. <laughs> it's just sad but true. But you got to tell me. you got to tell me, guys. Hey, pastor, got surgery. I want you there. You got it, brother. You got it, sister. I'm there. I'm there. But I don't read minds. So just communicate. I promise you, my heart is for you, and my responsibility is to visit the sick, and I want to do that. Um, and so that is part of our role, part of our responsibility. Moving on. What else do we got? What else is part of that role and responsibility? Pray and preach. Acts 6, 2 through 4. And again, we talked about this. You ain't got to go there. I'll just sum it up. We did this in our deacons for two weeks. Again, part of the responsibility that the deacons serve is so that the pastor can be free to prepare messages and to pray. And guys, I promise you, you're going to get the, the best out of me when I've had weeks to pray and prepare to teach. I had a dear brother this week, reached out to me, had a situation. When he realized I was in my study, he said, hey, it's all right. We're good. Don't worry about it. And I appreciated that. Now, he knows if it was an emergency, we're dropping him there on the spot. But he understood. He used his discernment and realized, you know what? I got this. I can handle this. We're good for now. We'll set up a time to get together. Okay? And so, again, part of my role is preparing for, day, for this, to feed the sheep. And that's the commission that God has called me to pray and to preach. Pray for that for me, that I will have quality prayer time, guys, that I'll have that intimacy with God. One of the best things you could offer your pastor is to pray that he has sweet communion with the Lord, that I hear the voice of God, that I'm sensitive and in tune to his leading, and that I am obedient to his leading. That's the best thing you can pray for. Because God turns the hearts of kings like a river, and he can handle this old stubborn-headed boy. I promise you that. So pray for that. Okay? Pray that I'll be sensitive to the Lord's leading and obedient. Pray and preach. All right. Third point's to the heart. We're not going to go there. I'm going to stop at this point. And, and we'll try to pick up uh, this. This is actually where we get into the Timothy passage. I told you we might not make it. But at least you know where it's at in the Bible, right? <laughs> you ought to be able to find it next week. Um, guys, this is important. You may be saying... Why, again, do we, are we taking time on a Sunday morning to learn these things? Because you're responsible to preserve the, the, the integrity of the church. We are all called to earnestly contend for the faith. Once and for all, delivered to who? The saints. 
we're in this together, team. We're in this together. And just like on a team, if you've ever played sports, it doesn't matter the different walks of life, you got your team's back. You're in this together. Man, you're getting those, those calls in, sometimes some of those audibles, right? And, and we're implementing what God, the head of the church, wants to do. And God has designed the local church in such a way that He's called overseers, bishops, elders, pastors to lead as under-shepherds under His headship. And they're the help. And also with that help comes, as we talked about last two weeks, those deacons who are called alongside to help serve to serve the local body, to do the work of the ministry, as we all are called to do. Remembering to encourage, to, to, to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, to encourage one another, build each other up, and to evangelize. That's our mission, church. That's our mission. So I want you to pray about God's leading as we move forward in this fall season with new challenges set before us, great opportunities, and a great start as we saw last week. And I pray that you will be a part of what God's doing. Henry Blackaby had a book out called Experiencing God. Many of you went through that study. You may have read the book. And here's the point of this thing that, that, that stands out to me the most. Find out where God's moving. Find out where God's leading and be there. That's what I desire for Community Baptist Church. Where's God moving? Where's God leading? Where's His hand going? I want to be there. I want to be on that front line. That's where I want to implement the play. And guys, I believe this is what God has set before us. And He's inviting us to take part in His plan. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It, it instructs us, it guides us, it leads us. Uh, Lord, direct our steps. Uh, the, the plans of man are many, but it's you who directs the steps. And so, Lord, again, there's so much that to me is very evident. And I pray that my communication to this local church, that they will hear and see that hand of leading. And Lord, that we'll simply obey your voice, that we'll do what you would have us do, and that we will see the results of that obedient faith. And so, Lord, we trust you. We look to you. We know that you'll tell us to go when we need to go. You'll tell us to stop when we need to stop and to stay when we need to stay. And so, Lord, you do that. I thank you for this church family. I love them. Lord, everyone that you've ever had come through these doors, my family and I have cared for them, maybe not always to their liking, and we haven't always done things right. But God, my desire is to shepherd them the way you've guided us through your word. And that is my continued pledge and prayer for this local church, that as you give me the opportunity that I will be faithful to serve you as my Lord and Savior and head of this church, and that I will also be faithful and true to love the sheep that have been entrusted to my watch care. Thank you for them. Bless their families. Lord, let this message drive home to their heart to see the importance of being on your page and being involved in the local church ministry. For that is profitable for them. And I thank you and give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Guys, thank you for being here today. Again, no evening service. Wednesday evening, 6.30.
Uh, we're having a challenge again this week, asking people to bring uh, visitors. Uh, the teens are, uh, everyone brings the most visitors uh, teen night. We got a little uh, something for them. Uh, so giving away some goodies. I'm sure Barnett would probably do the same. But uh, anyways, I hope to see you then. Y'all have a blessed day. Don't forget Sunday school teachers, lunch in the gym. God bless.